This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. Another week with us. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, this is episode number 91. Uh, this is your boy, East Coast Trev. I mean, 92. 92. I just forgot. Last week was 91. This week's 92. Uh, (laughs) back to back episodes are getting to us, (laughs) man, that's crazy. 92 of eight more to a hundred. So, um, actually with a hundred is actually pretty excited. Can we talk about that for a second? Do we want to talk about it or do we want to wait and surprise them? We haven't, we haven't Um, really discussed this. No. Well, we can discuss this now. Yes or no. Why the hell not? No, you think I think we should make them wait until next week. <laughs> make up your mind, dude. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. So the hundredth, the hundredth episode, um, we are going to be flying back to Illinois. We had the blessing of Kurt from Working Class Bow Hunter. We're gonna hang out in the WCB new studio uh, in Illinois with those boys, and we're gonna record our hundredth episode together in studio uh, with Working Class. So. Pretty, pretty excited, pretty cool, pretty awesome for us. We're actually super excited about it um, to be blessed. Uh, you know, the guys that got us into podcasting and kind of doing what we do every single day. So um, to, to spend our 100th episode with them, I mean, it, nothing means more than that. So that's going to be fun, dude. Pretty jacked. Yeah, I'm actually really excited. So it's definitely freaking cool, man. Pumped. So yeah. how, how did your uh, Idaho draw go, bro? Right down the shitter. Oh. So we applied. Just like the rest of our dreams, huh? And we, no, no, because <laughs> we're, we're semi living the dream now. Okay. We'll get All right. Go ahead. So we applied for these hunts. And, and previously, the units we were applying for, for the mule deer side, are unrestricted, unlimited draw, which is why we applied for those particular units. That and we had some private access and availability and resources on site. And not paying attention, they had changed the out-of-state regulations to only 240 tags for that unit out-of-state. So really? both elk and mule deer. So it wasn't unlimited. Now, it's unlimited for residents. Non-resident, they okay. only had 240 tags, which I'm not going to knock them because being right. an unlimited unit, it gets hammered year after year after year. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that. You know, you could have waited till next year until after I had my tag. So I missed yeah. out on both mule deer and elk. Yeah, it's all good, man. More, more, more hunts to come. 
Well, like I told you in the text, some you guys were like, oh, that sucks. You know, my response was, no, it's good. It just means I can plan something else. Yeah. All of our dreams are coming down. I didn't get, I didn't get a moose tag this year. I didn't get a elk tag this year. You know what I have to say? You didn't that? get an elk or a mule deer. Good. Or whatever. Yeah. Good. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Jacko. This is the best. Right. Good. It is a good thing, man. It, it really is. Because we just keep on going. We had our ho- high hopes and just better things to come, man. So we mm-hmm. just focus on something else and just keep on chugging along. We'll we'll pick a couple other OTC hunts on top of the Ohio hunt and and we'll go do something different, unplanned off the hip that worked for us last year. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can't double up this year. That's the truth to that, man. It's truth to that. And I'm all for jumping on places we've never played with. So Yeah, whatever. We'll go shoot a hog. Who cares? We'll go do something else. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't really matter. We'll go to a pet and shoot. Who cares? <laughs> Polish turkey shoot. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter <laughs> to me, man. So it's all good, dude. Fishing's been great. And fishing's been actually really good. Big, big, uh, large, uh, striped bass have been kind of headed in. The tuna are all over the place. Uh, we, we actually went out, we had a trip the other day and, uh, things kind of went to crap. So, like, we, we ended up heading out and we were going to fish probably like 10 miles off of Block Island and we didn't make it all that way because, it was so rough out. It wasn't calling for that. And then we finally, we crested out and we started going offshore and it just, seas just got so rough. We were in like five to eights about every like three to five seconds, which is horrible. We probably shouldn't have been out there fishing, but we wanted to go another 12 miles, which is another hour and some change, but then we would have had to come back and the wind was supposed to pick up. So we had all the life there and everything that, you know, should have been there as far as fishing went and it just didn't work out. The fish weren't there and kind of is what it is, but uh, we're supposed to head back out uh hopefully coming up here in the next couple of days so we'll see what awesome. happens man yeah it's it's only it's only the beginning of time you know we're we're just just getting started here uh, like i said the inshore fishing's insane right now the striped bass is just phenomenal they're already starting to come up and actually it's kind of funny is so uh we actually have a couple of people coming to join us from from podcast um Brad Jarvis is coming up to join us Dan Smeltz uh Kyle Kaufman um who else uh steve carpenter booked a trip with us so a bunch of people are coming up uh this month uh coming up to come and uh, awesome. fish with us so i'm actually really excited about that to actually come you know shake shake hands and you know get to meet those guys so pretty cool wait. pretty awesome for those guys to come up and fish so wait you get to meet dan smeltz yeah i get to meet dan smeltz oh i can't wait goodness dude always wanted to meet that's got to be so crazy i know man it's like meeting trump jr <laughs> can't wait to meet him. just kid man we love you dan yeah i love you bro so yeah things are things are starting to heat up man so how about you dude have you got any cameras out yet funny enough other than the cameras down at camp which aren't going to make a difference because we're going to be cutting the property right before season mm-hmm. so those are the only cameras we're running we do have an incredible group of two-year-olds i've I've got a, a two-year-old 10-point running down there right now that if nice. I can keep the locals from shooting, he's probably a buck 25 right now, still velvet. So probably about a buck 20 in reality. Mm-hmm. But he's still got good knobs, so he's still growing. And he's a two-year-old. Wow. So if we can keep the neighbors and all the locals and everyone out, let him grow, you know, two years mm-hmm. from now, he, he could be a buck 80, or as we learned in this show, he could be 240, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of time. You never know. Truth to that, bro. So 
that that's really yeah. about the extent of my scouting so far. Um, I do sadly admit I kind of put a lot of my eggs into the Idaho hunt, and now I'm kind. I'm not going to say scramble mode, but now I'm in planning part two. You know, plan B. Yep. And I'll start working some stuff here, both down at uh, the hill and some other public around here to see what I can get my mm-hmm. hands on. Yeah. I hear that. I, I talked to my uncle today about the farms and stuff and the new new permits that I'm getting and so on and so forth. Hopefully this week or, you know, next, hopefully going to get up there and kind of put some cameras out and kind of put some boots on the ground. Because, I mean, honestly, like, like everybody knows, I mean, this time of year, I'm so darn busy. It's so tough to get out and put cameras out. I still have cameras out from last year that I didn't even pull. Like they're still in the woods. They're not doing anything. 12 cell cameras that are just out there. Some of them are just taking pictures of leaves, whatever. <laughs> it's just nuts. I, whatever. I just, I, I kind of like, I, I don't know. It's kind of fun, like, especially the mobile game, like just running by the seat of your pants. Like, yeah, just go in where you've seen the deer and just kind of move on them and hope for the best, I guess. I know that's I, not the right thing to I do. I had but. fun doing it last year, going, especially on land where you know there are good deer. Right. But on the East Coast, in the situations where we're hunting, I have learned after trying last year going cameraless, no cameras, no nothing, just, mm-hmm. you know, hunting off of the sign. I, it, it's definitely way harder to hunt out here like the old timers. Yeah. No, I agree because the parcels are so darn small. I mean, it's, it's, it is tough. I mean, you got to make sure that the things are, that they're moving through there and that the, you know, I don't know. Hey, I don't, whatever. Either way, fun. I'm still going to be out on opening day. I don't, and for I, yeah. every chance I get hunt. till the season's over, right. you know, that's why we do just it. Just go out and hunt, man. Enjoy it. You know, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm all about, you know, the, the, but the thing is that we get the nice part of going to Ohio. Like Ohio is like our trip, right? And everything else is just kind of me hunting. Whatever. We're, we're going to stack <laughs> those, fill the Go freezer, patrol. you know? And then, yeah, Ohio is like, okay, that, that's the big one. My my kind of goal is I want to shoot a 125 back home and I want to shoot a 125 in Ohio. Like that's my goal, right? Okay. So if I shoot those two, my obviously I you know my wallet's not big enough to shoot any more in any other state, any bigger, you know, because I do not <laughs> want another taxidermy bill. I we know God only knows we already have enough of those around here, so it's just it's not good. I got well, let's let's talk about this. I got six ducks at the taxidermist right now, five or six ducks. A bearded hen and uh, my Ohio deer, and I have my wife's first deer at the text me this, this year. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, you just Not took one of them money. stimmy checks and went, here you go. Uh, probably like two of those stimmy checks are going to have to go there. <laughs> like, not good. Not oh, yeah. good at all. Especially when you start talking birds. I mean, it's not all that bad. So you're talking like 325 a piece. But still, man, it's yeah, not fun. And then six seven hundred five, dude, that adds up. Yeah, and then you seven. Don't, you, you don't feel as guilty with one thing at seven hundred, but six things at three twenty five, and you see that bill, and it's like, wait a minute, whatever. <laughs> this is the problem was that I made the you know I made the studio down here in the basement, so I was like, oh, I have all this wall space to put all this stuff. So let's. Oh, and I forgot I have my walleye at the taxidermist too. Yeah, you're great. Hate to tell you, Trev, yeah. but after this year, you're not going to have wall space. Well, that's good because then it's less things I have to kill, right? So whatever. no, no, it just means you got to upgrade Damn. the house. You know, start looking for oh, that perfect. Tennessee living. No, I'm going to Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love with Ohio, bro. Wait, there ain't any big deer in Ohio, dude. No, you're right. I just go in there and shoot trophy spikes. Yes, 
Yes. So hopefully, hey, you know what? Maybe our sponsors will help us out. Let's let's shout them out. Maybe they'll send me a check, a stimulus check to pay for my uh, tax summary bills. What do you say? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So Nor'easter game calls. Nor'easter game calls. Get them in close, man. Guys, do not miss out. Um, the um, outdoor series is live and for sale on their website. Um, it's going to be uh, Fox Elderboro, uh Wood on that with the Brazilian something or other. I'm bad at this. Horrible. But they're amazing. I don't know. They're all this fancy stuff that I don't even know what they are. So get on their website, NorristerGameCalls.com. Go and check them out. One of a kind. You'll never see nothing like it. Uh, the thing with Mark is they're lifetime guaranteed. If you don't like them, you don't like the way they sound, they break, anything happens to them, they're lifetime guaranteed. You send them back to Mark. You can either choose another call or you can uh, get your money back no matter what. So 100% lifetime guarantee. Go check them out. NoisterGameCalls.com. Uh, Gator Outdoors. Uh, outfitting the working class for your ass. Um, get on over there. Outdoor Drive. 25 on that one. Save yourself 25%. Uh, they got all kinds of new t-shirts. Uh, they got the True Timber stuff. Uh, go ahead. Check them out, man. You're not going to You're not gonna get a better camo for the bang for the buck than uh the true timber stuff that he's got over there at gator outdoors um and don't forget also about the kill cap i know you guys are all killers so if you buy their kill cap for 20 bucks and you kill something take a picture of your kill send it into gator outdoors and then they send you a t-shirt their t-shirt this year is probably one of the best kill t-shirts i've ever seen it's gnarly insane it's it's so awesome so don't miss out on that. Timber Tumblers, TimberTumblers.com. You nailed um, it, dude. Custom Good job. Tumblers. Uh, you can get them with any logo, man. You want to get them with the Bowhunting League? You want to get them with the Outdoor Drive? You want to get them with something? Make something. He's got the lure ones. He's got the, you name it, he makes it. So check them out, TimberTumblers.com. Uh, kind of get on over there and get that. Outdoor, out on the limb manufacturing. So it's out on the limb. Out on a limb, MFG. How'd I mess that one up? Dot com. Dude, that um, boat has got you wrecked. <laughs> yeah, man. Just just thinking. The problem is I'm thinking, not talking. Um, <laughs> so if you get on over there, man, your saddle needs, your platforms, your um, camera arms, the new hush. Don't forget about the new hush, man. Got to get the hush. Hush, yo, Mal. That's right, man. Go check it out. Out on the limb, MFG.com. And then last but not least... Um, so say the best for the last is uh, Latitude Outdoors, guys. The Method 2, they also now have released, um, what is the name on the, the single Classic panel? 2. The Classic 2, that's right. So they kind of updated everything that you could possibly imagine. Uh, we have a YouTube video that Steven did a phenomenal job on and kind of reviewed the Method 2. And then we have one coming out about the Classic 2 also now that that is released. Uh, right now for, I believe, is it the month of July? It's free shipping. I would have to double check and make sure I don't want to make sure I state that wrong. Yeah. So I will, I think it is, but um, I'm not really sure. So you might get free shipping. You might not, I'm not sure for how long Either way you can't find um, out till you go over to their site and see. Right. So get on over there, latitudeoutdoors.com and get that man. I'll tell you, I very comfortable saddle. And the best, the best part of it, I think the back brace, man, like everybody wants a back brace <laughs> and it's built right in. Like, dude, all I've ever wanted for while I was um, saddle hunting was a back brace. 
And every time we've reached out to any of the providers, they're sold out, not available, can't get them in time for the season. This one comes built in. And let me tell you, dude, shooting in it, relaxing in it, it literally solved every issue I've had with every other saddle I've ever set in in my mm -hmm. life. It's like, oh, that's uncomfortable. One adjustment, hey, it's, it's comfortable. Hey, I'm lazy. I've been sitting here for a while. Let me change this. Oh, hey, I'm good. I can sit for another three hours. You know, it's just so easy, and you don't have to do any aftermarket changes to get it. It comes out of the box ready to hunt. It's remarkable. It is. It's absolutely remarkable. I, I, I don't know. I love it, man. And the, and the quiet, how quiet it is, how light it is. It's probably all around, probably one of the best saddles I've ever sat in. And I've had oh, the yeah. opportunity of sitting in a lot of saddles. Yeah. And if you go over to our YouTube and you catch the review, you know, it's not the standard, Hey, we're standing in a saddle. Look at us sitting in a saddle. Hoo hoo. It's we, we focused on the products and features. You know, this is what they changed. This is what they did. This is what we like about it. And while we talk about the YouTube guys, if you get over there, please subscribe, like, and leave a comment. Those things play a huge part in the algorithm. And that's, what's going to help keep pumping this and help keeping us the, uh, I'll say able to provide new content and bring you more of this stuff. So do us a favor, help us out there while you're at it. And while you're listening to this, make sure that if you're on Apple, listening through iTunes, give us a five-star review that significantly increases and helps us with the sharing of this platform and uh, can help us get more people interested and involved. So do what you can help us out. We greatly appreciate you ahead of time. And that's enough of my rant. Well, and, and to add to that, I'll rant on real quick. Um, if you guys are listening on this, do us one favor, man. I want you guys to share the podcast on your story on Instagram. Can you do that? Just tag us in it. I want to share it of you sharing the podcast, please just share it out to a friend, man. Tell a friend about us. We'd really, really appreciate it. Um, the more people that we get to listen, the better it is for everybody else. And the more great things that we get to go, we have some cool giveaways coming up also. Um, not really sure what they're going to be yet, but we definitely got some cool ones coming. I know that. Yeah. We don't want to lead into a lot of it just yet. <laughs> so all good stuff guys we really appreciate it um just get on over there and just do your part bro just do your part <laughs> mm, speaking about doing your part mm. it sounds like mikey's up to his usual shenanigans uh, what do you say we roll him on yeah let's go i guess right. it's okay Great. Hey everyone, Mike here with some news for your crews. We're going to start this off in Connecticut where finally Connecticut's online licensing system now lets you electronically sign your licenses at checkout. Uh, with this new update, hunters and anglers will no longer need to carry a signed paper copy of their licenses, provided you carry proof of your digital copy. Uh, for anyone doing this, once you get to the uh, point where you can print your license, uh, you can save a copy. Uh, that is electronically signed, or I went on on my phone as I already purchased my 2021 licenses uh, and had a, a copy sent to my email, which actually showed up being signed even though I purchased before this change, which is great. Uh, no more paper needed in your packs. Don't have to worry about it in the weather. Just keep a signed copy on your phone and you're good to go. 
uh, New York, now off to New York, where the Department of Environmental Conservation uh, announced the acquisition of more than 1,200 acres on the Catarangas and Allegheny counties, uh, which has led to creation of the new Genesee River and uh, Poverty Hill Wildlife Management Areas, which will provide new hunting, trapping, and fishing opportunities uh, for sportsmen and women in New York, which is great. Uh, DC also announced the opening of Saratoga Sand Plains Archery Range in Wilton. Uh, the archery range, formerly known as Parcel 45 WMA, is the first of its kind in New York. Uh, the 50-yard range has 16 targets with eight adult lanes uh, from 15 to 50 yards, four youth lanes ranging from 5 to 20 yards, and four lanes accessed by an elevated platform ranging up to 40 yards. Uh, when using the elevated platform, archers will be required to use a full body harness and attach to carabiners on the platform. The archery range is close to several schools that participate in the National Archery uh, in the schools program and is also a convenient location for both the Saratoga County 4-H shooting sports program and DEC's bow hunter education classes. So it sounds like with the location, this is going to get a lot of good use uh, and go to a lot, you know, be able to be utilized by a lot of good programs. The range is free to use and will be open and maintained year-round for public use during daylight hours, which is awesome. I know here uh, we have a couple ranges in Connecticut that usually close down um, during the winter months, but it sounds like this one's going to be open year-round for anyone that wants to use it. Uh, now off to Montana, where House Bill 242 has recently signed into law, creating a nine-day muzzleloader season for deer and elk. Uh, the new season will begin the Saturday after the uh, following the end of the regular season. Right now, the Montana uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission is figuring out rules for the newly established season, but their current plan is to allow anyone with unused license permits uh, that were valid during the general season for deer and elk in a specific hunting district to use those same unfilled tags for the muzzle loading season. Uh, the season does come with some conditions, including, uh, among others, uh, muzzleloader hunters must use plain lead projectiles uh, and a muzzle in a and a muzzleloading rifle that is charged with loose black powder, loose pyrodex, or equivalent loose black powder substitute, and ignited by flintlock, wheel lock, match lock, or percussion mechanism using a percussion or musket cap. Also, the muzzleloading rifle must be a minimum of 45 caliber and may not have more than two barrels. And you may not use a muzzleloading rifle that requires insertion of a cap or primer into an open breech of the barrel, uh, is capable of being loaded from the breech, or is mounted with an optical mag magnification device. So no inline muzzleloaders and no scopes. The commission is seeking public comment through July 26th uh, to craft alternative proposals for consideration uh, for this coming season. So you can comment, uh, you can find the comment section under public comment opportunities uh, on the website for the Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks. Uh, with that, as always, if you have any news, please send it along. I've had a couple things trickling in, which is great. Uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook at Mike Salter or on Instagram at bearded underscore bow 21. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Good old Mikey. Always doing something. He's always up to something. Always finding some type of good news. I'll tell you what, man. This week's news is definitely awesome. A lot of cool stuff. I mean, the Oregon thing uh, with them trying That's to pass. I know you're from the no. East Coast, Oregon. Oregon. It's yeah. Oregon. What is it? Oregon. 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 Same old thing. It's like a 
Oregon Trail. I mean, Oreg- come on, bro. Or- no, the Oregon Trail, not no, Oregon. It's Oregon. It's Oregon Trail. Oregon. Whatever. <laughs> that's for you young people out there. That's a really old computer game. Yeah, <laughs> it was the best computer game ever. Oh, but... hands down. The first actual even... hunting game you could hunt right. in that game. It was that's the right. first one ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then not to add, but also the whole thing with um, the C- serious arrows, they just got their own broadhead. I mean, come on. What's better than that? I mean, Mike's just keeping himself busy finding news. Can somebody send him something new? Gene has done a great job of sending him some stuff. Really? So my hat's off to you, Gene. I appreciate that. I know Mike appreciates that. And keep it rolling. If you have other friends with other news, kick them in the ass and make them send it too. Awesome. Well, boys, you know what? Enough of us. Let's go talk to a real deer killer. Yeah. And by real, I mean we're talking real. Real. So uh, I'm not going to say anything else. Let's just bring him on. guys we're back on the phone with our good friend matt burnswick what's up man how are you good how are you guys doing tonight hanging in doing well man thank thanks for joining us well thanks for having me yeah why don't uh why don't you tell everybody who you are man where you're from and uh kind of what you do um i'm matt brunswick i'm from northwest ohio uh born and raised here i'm currently in uh, law enforcement work as a local deputy i'm currently assigned to the canine unit so I work with canines, which kind of ties back to growing up. I worked with uh, uh, pheasant dogs growing up and always enjoyed working with canines and it kind of fell into my career in that way also. Man, it must keep you really busy. Oh, yeah, we're constantly, constantly staying busy, especially in today's world. What does that take to kind of train a canine dog? That can't be an easy task. Uh, our, our canines are imported from overseas, so my canine came from the check. He was 13 months old when I got him, and he's been paired with me for a little over six years now. So you go through original canine school, and then we train weekly also. Then we have to certify through the state every single year. Wow. So it's a full-time job and and at home, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's he's with me at work all the time, and he's with me all the time at home, too. So it, it's a very rewarding position, but it's also they have such a bond with you that it's really a hassle when you leave and go on vacation because they'll stop eating and a lot of separation anxiety and stuff like that because you spend so much time together yeah yep wow i couldn't imagine that's got to be kind of crazy yeah yeah pretty cool though it's like a it's like a hunting dog gone crazy though because oh, yeah. you spend every single waking moment with it. That's kind of like one of the things that I kind of feared with having a hunting dog and then always bringing it with me everywhere because you hear stories of the separation anxiety just yep. being together constantly. Yep, for sure. That's awesome. Well, man, um, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. We're having, uh, you kind of got kind of a really cool story about you did something really awesome last year. 
Yeah, I had a this is a dream season. Not just myself, my entire family. We had the best year, hands down. And one we probably will never top, which is pretty cool. Yeah, not only you, but your wife and and your daughter also shot a great deer last year. Yeah, she shot her first deer, and and I wasn't expecting her to actually go out hunting this year, so it worked out really well, and she got a little five point, and so just just a phenomenal season. That's incredible, man. Congratulations to all of you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Did you did you find that that a lot there was better? You had better like a better season than you have in the past, like seeing better deer over overall other, than other wow. seasons. I can't talk tonight. <laughs> that boat is tearing you up, man. Yeah. Sorry. I'm a little out of it tonight. I'm, I apologize. No, honestly, I didn't have a lot of targets. Um, I struggled, you know, getting very many good sized deer on camera, but I got a picture of one that was just something I'd never seen before. So, I mean, he had, he had my focus and, um, with me, I'm always constantly looking for a new spot to hunt. And so this year, I this past season, I, I knocked on the door. Never met the guy before. It was a smaller property. Um, I had done some scouting in years past. and knew that there's decent deer in the area. And um, he had given me permission. He actually hunted himself. But he's gotten older, so he said he didn't get out as much. And at first, he was like, no. And then I said I was just strictly bow hunting. And that was what changed his mind. He was like, oh, I'm okay with bow hunting. And um, he's like, well, I saw one, and he put his hands up. He goes, it was this big last year back here. And I'm like, really? The standard landowner question. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> oh, there are deer like that out here. Right. And like anybody else, you know, take a grain of salt, and it's probably you know, a little four-point or something. So yep. I didn't think too much of it, so I put a camera out. Um, that was, I think it was around the end of June, but actually about this time last year. And the first photo I got of this, this deer, it was July 3rd. And this deer was bigger than anything I'd ever seen before for July 3rd. And I just remember telling my wife, like, I think this deer could be like a county record. Like, um, he is huge. So, um, kind of fast forward through the summer. I mean, I spent, I can't tell you how many nights driving around looking at the bean fields, trying to get eyes on it for myself. And I, I actually never did, but I spent a lot of nights looking. But I did get a picture of him. Um, the first one's July 3rd, uh, July 8th, and then July 13th. I got a series of photos. And on the 13th, that those were nighttime photos. And that buckhead was, was standing there and he was walking through. And then he stopped and he looked up at the camera. And that was the last photo I got until October 3rd. Yep. And I've had that happen before where they see that camera. And he's not used to stuff being right there. And it, it spooked him. And I raised my cameras up to try to avoid it. But he still saw it and it's probably 70 feet up. And like, man, I can't believe that camera spooked him that much. So I tried to relocate him. And I kind of honestly had given up hope on this deer because. I didn't know where I could also get permission close enough to hunt where, where he was. And I figured he had moved miles away. So I started, you know, you know, looking at other properties and trying to find season. Our season starts uh, the end of September, beginning of October. So the season was already starting again before I got another photo October 3rd. And I don't think I checked that camera until almost uh, 10th or 11th of October before he sold the picture. And he, I mean, man, he is back. So, I actually, uh, for the first part of October, I spent a lot of time just driving the fields again, trying to relocate them. And he came through like the third, like the 18th. It'd be like every week and a half, two weeks or so. And for the most part, it was in the middle of the night. But on November 3rd, I'd gotten a picture, and it was just like a half hour, hour after dark. And uh, I had noticed if I hunt that spot in the morning, I had bumped deer both times I tried. And I said, I'm just not going to hunt in the morning. I'll stick to the evenings. 
And um, so that's why I did. And I think it was like the second of November, I started hunting in the evening. I was going to strictly hunt there from like the 8th to the 10th. I always take two or three weeks off at the beginning of November. And so I hunted like the second, third, uh, fourth. I have a camera that I check on the way out. And on, on the fourth, after hunting, I learned that he was there on the third after I just left like a half hour, hour before. So um, I was pretty excited to, that he, he's close back in the area. And I uh, kind of back up a little bit. Meanwhile, this the season has started and this year starts popping up on social media. And people are posting pictures on Facebook. They're forwarding me the pictures on Instant Messenger. You know, and, I, and I'm staying quiet about this year. I've kept it to myself, except for um, a, a friend of mine, a guy I know that works at ODNR. He actually trains with us. He's, in the, he's a canine handler. And I said, hey, I want to show you a picture of this deer. I go, I don't know how big he is, but he is big. And he called it Cabela's deer. He goes, that deer, like, belongs to Cabela's. It's so big. <laughs> and I go, well, I don't want you to tell anybody. I just want to let someone know, like, there's this this big of deer running around out here in the county. And I go, I got a couple pictures of him. I go, it's a long shot, but I'm hunting him. And so we, we talked about it back and forth. And uh, um, he, had, he had spoke with the uh, Division Wildlife, let them know, hey, I got a, I got a friend that's hunting this deer. And so he had told him like the general area where I was hunting. I didn't tell him exactly where, but the general area. And so they said, okay. So, so they knew about the deer, um, but this things are shown on social media. And people are forwarding the photos around and, you know, they'd say like, oh, we saw it over here. And, it's, and they give like a landmark or something. And I would, I remember one photo I sent, I spent hours trying to match this photo up with the background and nothing lined up. But I spent almost two days trying to line this photo up. And I found out where this photo was, and it was not that far from where I was hunting. I was like, man, I'm, I'm back in the ball game. So that was even before uh, um, he popped back on camera. So there's just a lot of people that that were following us here, talking about it on social media. And obviously, they were lying where it was at, probably because they were trying to get after it, too. And I had heard rumors of people dropping money to people, uh, neighbors nearby to hunt this deer. So I knew this deer was getting a lot of pressure. And I, I, I was like, I just don't know how the deer this big is going to survive. And, you know, when you get that caliber of deer, you always hear those sad stories of someone poaching it or somebody doing something unethical like that. And I was so worried yep. that with him getting that, being that visual, people taking daylight photos of him that he's out and about, that something's going to happen. But fortunately, it worked out. And um, I went out on November 5th, and uh, he came in at 522, I believe it was. And uh, I looked over to my right, and I seen him over there, and he was, he was making a scrape. And I on his left side, he's like this big paddle and a couple drops right there. And I saw that, like, oh, it's him. So I just kind of um, steadied myself. Um, came to my opening, I tried to stop him. And he didn't stop in the opening. And I like, stopped again. I tried to stop him louder this time. He stopped. But he, he acted like he didn't hear me. There's a, a doe off to my left. And he was looking over her. So he was totally locked on her. And I set that arrow. He didn't even flinch or anything. I made a perfect uh, double lung shot. And Nick dropped the heart. And he kind of did like a little horseshoe. But... As far as the crow flies, he probably went 20 yards. He just stood there, hunched up, and then just tipped right over. That big old rack was sticking up out of the, out of the grass. And yeah. it was just one of the coolest things ever. I mean, everything, the so, stars just aligned for me. It just, it was like it was meant to be. So I want to jump back a little bit and kind of touch on uh, how you use social media. It, yeah. it, it, I mean, I guess you could call this the new version of e scouting. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to do anything you just watch what people are showing on social media right i mean sometimes the people do the work for you and not even realize they're helping someone else right and then like one of the photos was a, was this deer was standing in the middle of a, a state route 
and it was dark out and it was in front of the headlights of this vehicle. But I could see a guide cable coming off one of the telephone poles. And that's why I was able to match up where that deer had crossed right there. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's not that far away. So I mean, I'm still back in the ball game. And it was just, he was not consistent at all, but just enough to kind of keep my interest and something would pop up. And, and then, and I felt kind of bad with some of the friends would be sending me these photos of this deer. And it's like, man, I want to tell you about this, but I, I keep this one under my hat. Right yep. So it's just, I just still just can't believe a deer like that came from this area. He's just so much bigger than anything I've ever even seen around here. Um, he's officially broke the county record by 37 inches. Oh, is that all? Yeah, it's just crazy. Just See, crazy. and that, that goes back to it, though, is you were talking about how that deer picked off your camera and never came back through there. For quite you know, a while. It's the deer like that, they get big. You know, because right. I've, I've had two target bucks that I've been chasing for years. Every time they pick a camera up, they disappear. They go somewhere mm -hmm. else. I'll mm -hmm. pick them up two months later somewhere else. I'll see the camera and disappear. And it doesn't matter if the camera's two feet or 25 feet, they find it. Right. Yeah. And so this year was getting pressure from other spots. And then, you know, with it being November 5th, I mean, he was out searching, you know, and taking advantage of his weakness there. I mean, I, I, I had to have the right series of events to happen for me and they did. So I got really, really fortunate. Like I said, this spot I was, I was hunting was you know, less than 20 acres. So it's a small spot. So you can only control pressure in such a small area. It's kind of hard to, you know, you're at the mercy of your neighbors if they're hunting every day and stuff like that. But at the same time, with 20 acres, most people look at that and go, I don't want to waste my time. It's only 20 acres. Right. Right. And, right. and that's what this guy said. He goes, well, no one's really ever asked me. And so it's kind of one of those little overlooked spots, and it worked out. And mm -hmm. It wasn't well, a ton of stuff, but it had the right deer. It's those tight core areas like that, those big bucks will stay in because they get mm -hmm. overlooked. They're not pressured heavily. And mm – -hmm a buck of that size is only going to move when it's time to go breed. Right. So what did the landowner say after you took the deer? <laughs> Good question. So, so after I shot him, um, I, I called uh, the, the ODNR officer. I'm like, and I called him. He didn't answer. And I called him back again right away. And he's like, hello, you know, he's whispering. He's like, he's in the tree stand with his boy. I'm like, I shot that deer. He's like, the Cabela's deer. And I'm like, yeah, I, I shot him. I go, can you get a, a wildlife officer out here? He goes, He's like, we're climbing down right now. So he, he started making some phone calls, and he got a hold of the wildlife officer. And um, since it was in the evening time, they, they didn't want to come out. And they asked him to uh, document everything for him, take photographs of my permission slip, my arrow, my tree stands, the, uh, video of the blood trail, and uh, the whole nine yards. And, um, you know, you always see on the Internet, like, like Coffin Buck with a – he's sitting there with the division wildlife officer in the photo. And I kind of wanted something like that, you know, is you hear rumors about every single big buck, no matter how, how hard you try to um, dot your eyes, cross your T's, and I tried to do everything I possibly could. So I was really fortunate that he came out and did all that for me. And obviously he's a deer hunter too, so he was pretty tickled to come out and see something like that. And, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Helped me drag it out. So it was really nice. And then uh, the wildlife officer got in contact with me the next day and said, hey, uh, your, your, your old deer's been documented. We've known about this deer. Other people have talked about it. And so – we, we, we know everything's legit and we appreciate you reaching out to us. And so I'm really glad I did that because, you know, it clears up the air on a lot of things. And what's really cool about this deer also is this last season, um, I've been part of the bow hunting league the last couple of years, which is a really cool uh, group. I know you guys have talked with some of the guys from there, mm -hmm. how we got in touch actually. But this last year I also joined the, the quest hunt. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the quest hunt. Yep. It's a, a online uh, um, deer hunting tournament. 
and it's a pretty big tournament. And um, this is well, last year, the first year I joined, which was pretty nice seeing how I shot my lifetime deer that, that same year. <laughs> and what's kind of unique about this is um, at down at the banquet, you actually have to take a polygraph test. So I was like, well, you know, this is pretty cool. I mean, how often do you say that, you know, you had, you shot this deer, you've, you've taken a polygraph test, you had an officer on scene after you shot the deer. So, I mean, I, I had everything uh, squared away. And what's kind of crazy is I knew he was, he was big, but I didn't realize he was quite this big. And when I was down at that banquet down there in Missouri for the quest hunt, seeing all those big deer across all of the United States and seeing just how big he was, then come to find out that he is the biggest year they've ever had entered in the history of the tournament. I mean, that's just crazy. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. What did he, when did he end up scoring out at? So, um, with Buckmasters, obviously you don't have to do the 60 day drying period. They came out the next day and measured him out at officially 252 inches, which <sighs> is so much bigger than I expected. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then after the 60 day drying period, uh, Boone and Crockett measured him at uh, 245 even. <sighs> So just, wow. just, just a monster. What an incredible thing. So what did the landowner say when you dragged this thing out? So I, um, I knocked on the door and I don't know if they went to bed earlier or what, but they, they didn't answer. I knocked and knocked and um, so I, I left. And then I got thinking the next day, I was like, no one knows exactly where I shot this deer other than uh, the ODNR officer and my, one, my best friend who came out and helped me drag out too. And so I was like, man, I could just be quiet about it. And I was like, you know what? I mean, this landowner is such a nice guy. He let me hunt his land. He he deserves to know about this, get his hands on this rack. And I'm like, it's just, it may be the best thing for me to be quiet about it, but it's the right thing to tell him about it. So I ended up bringing the skull cap over. He, he stepped back and he goes, that thing came from back there? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, my gosh. He was just tickled pink for me. He goes, don't worry. I won't tell anybody that you shot it here. There and a couple of my close uh, family members. And um, so this following year, I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll see if I can hunt back there if it's going to be crowded again. And I stopped talking. <laughs> like, oh yeah, absolutely going back there. And I'm like, oh man. So just pretty cool that, you know, um, meet a guy like that, just a real nice guy. And, I mean, like I said, I'd never met him, met him until that year. And just to trust me enough to back there on his land. And, you know, a lot of people with, with liability and stuff like that these days makes it difficult. So. Right. Fortunate. I'm, I'm pretty much a strictly a uh, knock on door permission hunter. That's, um, Pretty much where I hunt 99% of the time, honestly. Nice. So, what made you kind of like go through this step? Go ahead. I was going to say, um, like my, my top six biggest deer, all six are knocking over permission, all six different landowners. So I'm constantly like bouncing around. A lot of people think I have this like one honey hole I go to every year, and that's, that's not the case. I, my wife had test. I put a lot of hours into scouting, research, podcasts, YouTube videos. I'm constantly trying to learn yeah. something new and, and that's one thing nice with uh, the bow hunting league is I qualified for their showdown having one of the top three biggest deer in their tournament and we went down the floor of that showdown on public ground and that's honestly the first time I went uh, deer hunting on public ground ever and so that was a new experience for me kind of took me out of my comfort zone and it's not that I, I didn't want to hunt public ground it's just around here we don't have really any public ground so your choice is private and uh I got, actually got shot off at a pretty decent buck. It was a little far out there, and I, I missed. But I was like, you know what? Kind of got me the itch that if I tag early, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be heading out of state. And with the bow hunting league, that's what's kind of cool is, you know, uh, there's 13 guys in camp, 12 states represented. So I have contacts in 12 different states, and so that's kind of cool. Uh, we're gonna be taking a family vacation at the end of this month down to Florida, and I want to reach out to 
VA Porter. And I know he looks down there, so he comes hook up, go fishing while I'm down there. I mean, it's kind of cool you make some friends through the boat hunting league like that. And the thing is that they're just genuinely awesome guys. Everybody I've met there, chit chatted with, it's just hands down like some of the best guys that you'll ever meet. Like you can consider them close friends, you know? Oh, for sure. You you know a guy like DA is a good guy. When you go, hey, I'm flying out to New Mexico and he goes, great, I'm going to drop you some grid coordinates for where I like to go and scout for sheds. Oh, yeah. And he, he sends me the maps. He sends me his paths are marked and highlighted. This is where I go. And I was like, you don't get more real than that. Guys give up their gold mine shed spots because they can't make it. Here, go check it out for me. Right. And I mean, that's how – that's honestly how all those guys are. You know, from the 13 guys down there I met, they're all just like that. So, I mean, I can reach out to any of them at any time. And, and if they're able to help out, they're going to. And it works the same way if they're ever up in northwest Ohio. And if I can help them out, I absolutely will. It's just really cool. And we actually also uh, chat on – we have a Facebook messenger group. They're always chatting on and sharing some photos and getting each other excited for deer season coming up. So, the bowling league is just one of those things. It's, it's free. I don't know why you wouldn't – if you're a deer hunter, why you, a bow hunter, why you wouldn't want to do it. Oh, Absolutely. You'd be a fool to not join in on it. I mean, what are they at? $53,000 in prizes already? I mean, oh, yeah. how do you not want to be part of that? Right. And there's a lot of cool prizes. I got a new bowstring coming in the mail that I won through the, the tournament. Um, some new uh, fletchings and just some cool things. But, you know, I, I remember I qualified for the showdown thinking, well, do I really want to go down four and shoot six points? It's not really exactly anything I've ever really targeted. And I was like, well, it would be a cool experience. It's January. Um in Florida, I mean, can't be that bad, right? So, hang out with other deer hunters, and man, I went down there, and it's like, I got the coolest experience. I didn't kill, but I mean, that was one of my favorite hunt, hunting trips ever. So, really, really cool. I can only imagine what the camaraderie was in, in deer camp, with just all the boys being there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was some good times. It was some real good times. Some wild stories, I can only imagine. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish it could have longer, honestly. I mean, it was just a great time. That's awesome. Hey, I kind of want to go back on kind of with the DNR officer and kind of like some of the thoughts that kind of went through your head and some of the negatives that kind of came out with this, even, even though that you've kind of, kind of like uh, nipped the stuff in the butt, but you still had some kinds of negatives that came from this. Yeah. So like, I'm sure anybody that follows, you know, I follow a lot of different deer hunting pages, probably like any other serious deer hunter. And, you know, just like next guy, like looking at pictures of big deer and hearing their stories and their success stories and failures and, you know, just trying to learn from it. Um, but I had seen, you know, multiple times where someone shoots a big buck and it's like, I fence or they're accusing them of poaching or there's always some, some accusations on there. And so that was, that, 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 I, that always stuck with me that these guys are going to shoot this big deer and it's unfortunate they go through all that. But I remember listening to a podcast with, with Dan Kaufman where he had called the division wildlife ahead of time and said, Hey, I'm hunting this world class deer. And I think he actually went and showed him a picture of it. And just let him know that, you know, ahead of time, he's hunting it. And I, I think that really helped clear up the air for him. I was like, you know, if I get lucky enough to get a steer, you know, and I'm always like an odds guy. So I, I told my wife, like, I have a 3% chance of this, but I have a 3% chance to shoot a 200. And as far as I know, there's only been like three 200 shot in our county. So it's not like there's a lot of 200s running around. So, and then go find out he's way bigger than 200. It's just crazy. So I didn't really think it happened, but, you know, I just want to be prepared in case it did. And, I'm just, I'm so glad I did. But even though I went through all that, um, one of the properties I hunt, I ended up coming back and I had, I had one of those spots where the deer go in the winter time for the most part, so they'll hurt up. So 
I had moved a lot of my cameras off uh, my other properties. I, had, I think I run about 10 to 12 cameras and uh, I had like seven of them on this property. And um, I come to find out that all seven been stolen. My tree stand's been cut down. Um, uh, two of them, they just busted the camera up and left it there and took the cards. So somebody's clearly just out sabotaging, right? Because they're jealous. I don't know why else that would happen. It's never happened there before until then. So that was pretty unfortunate. And, you know, uh, hopefully if it ever happens again, I've taken a couple of measures to put some cameras up or hopefully I catch them or something like that. And, but I'm hoping it's just an isolated event. But other than, than that, and just hearing a couple of people making comments behind my back, you know, which you can just you kind of expect that with, you know, big deer, big drama. So, um, well, so I, And I, that's I the thing. People are real quick. If someone does something so incredible that they wish they could do, it seems like everybody is instantly turned to, well, I need to talk shit and try to find a way to downplay it, make him look bad because I didn't do it. Right. But they're the first ones to turn around and say, oh, no, well, if I did something big, you know, I would never do that. Right. I mean, I just don't get it. That's really unfortunate because, you know, one of the pictures, like I said, that floated around social media was that deer on a state route crossing at nighttime. I was like, man, I just hope he doesn't get hit. I hope it. If I don't get him, I hope somebody else is able to get him because I want to get up there and get my hands on this deer and see him. And, you know, I hate to be wasted on the front of a car or get hit and crawl from the field. No one finds him forever. And, um, but for the, for the most part, um, it, it's been really good. I know one of the deer I was, I was, I had uh, a lot of history with, I actually had three sheds to it the previous two seasons. They got shot by somebody else. And I brought those three sheds down to him and turned them over to him and congratulated him. So, you know, I just, if somebody else has success, I'm always happy for them. So usually it works out the same way for me. So, Right. And, and that's what it's all about. Is, you know, you pay it forward, be a good sport, right. congratulate people. You know, and like in your case, you went and handed off historic sheds from the deer. You know, you don't get that every yeah. day. But right. I, I would like to think that the karma is going to come back around and it's just going to continue to pay forward for you. Oh, yeah, I, I think it has. So uh, a cool thing about this is, you know, I have a, a seven, five and three year old. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing Mr. Dad all the time. And this past summer when I got the, when I was looking for this deer, you know, uh, you know, my wife's really, really understanding, but I can't just leave every night and go looking for deer. So, you know, I, I'd load the kids up in the minivan and we go get ice cream and uh, we go out looking for deer, <laughs> you know, we'd be on the side of the road and I'd be sitting there and then my cars leave, go by, I'll, I'll put my binoculars down. They, they're out of view. I'll get my, my binoculars back up and be looking around and trying to find them again. And like I said, I never did find them, but I sure as heck looked hard. And uh, it's just kind of cool. You, just, you know, and that's another thing with like the Boeing League. These guys are all just like you and I, working class people, just with everyday jobs. And some people think they get to, and that's one of the comments I see on Facebook. You know, that's a $10,000 deer. You shoot that on a thousand acre lease. And it's like, no, I've actually never leased a piece of ground in my life. Not that I'm against it. I'd love to find a spot out of state to lease and, you know, kind of get you a spot to go once you do tag out here in Ohio. It's, you know, so one buck state, which I'm glad it is. But looking forward with my, my daughter after I shot my deer, she had said she wanted to go out. And um, so we actually went out during gun season with the crossbow. And on her first hunt, she was able to shoot that little bass crack five point. And it was just a coolest experience. And I got the crossbow and the shooting sticks. And, you know, I, it seemed like she aimed for two minutes and probably wasn't quite that long. But 
made a perfect shot. And I mean, I was, I was probably more excited right then than initially after shooting that big one. I was just going crazy. I was so excited for it. I was oh, yeah. just about to ask that. Was it, were you more excited for her shooting her little one or, or you shooting your big one? I'm saying that they're probably about on the same level because, I mean, yeah. I fell apart after shooting my deer. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to shoot a few big deer in my life. And um, I used to all call my buddies and tell them about the deer first. My wife was the last one to get a phone call. And, you know, she pointed out one year that, you know, you know I, I wouldn't mind knowing about the deer ahead of time before you tell everybody else. And here's through the grapevine, you shot this big deer. And so <laughs> as soon as I shot, I called her and, uh, she, she knew how much the deer meant to me and how many nights we talked about this deer. And so that was pretty cool. And, um, so after my daughter got her deer, um, my wife, we went out it was like January 18th and we had this big eight point with a split brow time and he showed up on, on the camera on a different property. It was like November 3rd. I got a photo and then, um, end of November. And we had got a dusting of snow on the 18th and I went out to check trail cameras and on the edge of the woods in the field, you can see where the snow is kicked back and there's a scrape there from this morning. Um, even though it was January 18th, and I had a camera on that scrape and it was this big eight point. And I was like, we, he's back in the area. We should go out tonight. So we got grandma to watch the kids and we both went out and I actually filmed her on my cell phone, ended up shooting this deer and he went mid one fifties as a eight point kicker. It was just crazy. Wow. So I, I ended up shooting my deer. She shot the biggest deer of her life. My daughter shot her first deer. Just 2020 was just a roller coaster season. Just could not be more happy about it. Wow, that's amazing. That's a good season. Oh no yeah, kidding. But, but, but one, one will never top. But now my five year old, now my five year old, he he is he is <laughs> wanting to go. Yeah. And so like the other day, we're driving by one of the one of the fields, and the deer are out and. My daughter's like, I'm going to shoot that deer. No, I'm going to shoot that deer. And, you know, they're starting to banter back and forth. And Sibling so, rivalry. Yeah. So that's one of the cool is even if I do tag out, you know, I got the kids, got my wife, and I, I love taking them out and guiding them and they're filming it for them. And just r- really cool. And I just always said, as long as one of my three kids catch the bug, I'll have a lifetime hunting buddy. And hopefully one of them, one of them does. And so. Your taxidermist must love you in 2020 also. <laughs> you, you ain't kidding there and uh one of the cool about the quest hunt i found out is you know i didn't know about this ahead of time it's the biggest deer in the competition it's a free replica and uh so i had to leave my rack down there in missouri and john dittmer uh, did the replica i just went and picked it up a couple weeks ago and this thing is just when you see them side by side you wouldn't know which one was which I and mean, it's that good so i got to bring that back the other day and just finally able to get the, the cap over to the taxidermist and get that started so really looking forward to getting the, the mount back and um, really, and I feel really good having the replica too, just kind of backed up. You know, you hear horror stories about something breaking or someone stealing something or a fire or something like that. And so we just now have a backup to it if something would have happened. I mean, the nice thing about that too is that you can have the, the mount, and then like if you go to a show or whatever, you can bring the replica so you don't have to yeah. worry about the mount ever leaving the house. Absolutely. And I, I, I had a few people reach out to me. Um, there's a guy in Michigan shot a real big deer a few years ago. And, he said that's what he does is he takes his uh, replica, which is on a skull mount, and if he goes to a buddy's house or goes to a, a banquet or something, he'll just bring that along versus dragging that big um, full mount out. And then you don't have to worry about people you know, touching it or knocking it over and stuff like that. So, right. You know, this is really cool. That's important, man. Especially you don't want something to happen to it. Like you said, man, something happens, you'd be devastated, you know, especially just stupid things, especially at a show. You know, people just kind of get a little crazy and – 
And just yeah, nothing happened to it. A lot of people have asked, you know, has anyone tried to buy it? And it's like, I, I haven't even asked me, but I'm like, I don't think I could sell it. You know, just it's hard to explain what uh, put a dollar value on what that is worth to me. I mean, it just, I don't, I just don't see how I can do it. <laughs> Definitely. That yeah. not, not, not a thing. Do, do you think that like, I mean, did you have things come, come back to you? Like you would like, like you gave up your sheds. Did like so anybody reach out to you with other trail cam pitchers or sheds or anything like that from that deer? Uh, yeah, actually I, I, uh, I, a, I had a guy reach out. He found a shed from the year before off of it. I'm still trying to meet up with him. Um, I actually, actually made some friends out of this deer actually too. Um, so there's a guy that was actually hunting this deer for the last couple of seasons and he had watched it for the four previous seasons. And he told me when I shot that deer, he goes, that deer is six and a half years old. I have pictures of two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. Oh, uh, wow. Five, six and, a, and then now six and a half. And uh, he, he had sent them to me, a uh, real nice guy. And uh, he had actually missed it the year before. And I've always said, you know, around here, for deer to get some age on them, they have, have to have some luck to them. Because I've shot some other deer with some age on them. And, you know, people come out and say, you know, I missed that deer um, the year before, or I shot it this year, or I've had them with had a, um, I shot one at a slug right up against the shoulder from the year before and my arrow hit just two inches to the side of there. And, you know, it's two inches, you know, makes a break whether that deer goes down or not. Yep. But this guy, he had watched this deer for the last several years. Like I said, missed it. He shared all the trail cam photos of it. He actually has a match set from like two years prior uh, off of it. So it was really cool. And then now we, we chat back and forth. So kind of making a friend out of it and he wasn't, you know, jealous or anything like that. He just real open and congratulated me. So he actually came over that next day after I shot it and saw it. And, you know, I, at first, you know, kind of stared at it, just kind of like you or I would be if, you know, you're hunting a deer and somebody else shot it, you're, you're happy for him. But, you know, you, everyone always wishes, you know, you got it yourself. So, and that, that was another cool thing. When I shot that deer, I, I put it on social media. And um, my wife and I talked about this a lot, actually, before this season. And I said, you know what? I've always shared my stuff on Facebook and I think it caused more problems than sports. I should just go underground and be quiet. And, uh, so we talked about it and then this deer started popping up. I'm like, if I try to go underground with something like this, people are going to think something's up. And I'm like, I'm just going right. to get it all out there. And you know what? And I listened to some other podcasts and some other guys talk about big deer they shot and how it changed how they view things. And, you know, um, they, they enjoyed telling the story being a normal deer hunter and if someone takes advantage of them that's that's on them so i was like you know what i'm just going to enjoy this ride and ride this roller coaster for as long as i can um originally i, I actually had people reach out for podcasts you know, right after i shot it and i was like man i, I don't know if i really want a lot of attention and stuff and yeah, once i met the time to settle down yeah let things settle down and once i met the bow handling guys you know i know you guys support them and so if, if i do a podcast somebody they support the bow handling league I'm, I'm more than happy to do it you know it's a great <laughs> group of guys and so just it's it's kind of crazy how how like the people come come out after you shoot those deer and, and a lot of it i mean is is positive more than negative you know what i'm saying i mean you you, you hear the negatives or the one-offs like i had shot a deer actually in ohio last year and we had met a gentleman um who was actually after the buck that i was after and i was on public land and i didn't have any idea kind of like you i mean i didn't know about the deer i mean even more than you actually and uh 
I shot the deer and I met the kid and he was like so happy the fact that he was there and being able to hold the deer and he helped us drag it out and everything, you know, and it was just so cool to have that. And then that's like a friendship forever now, you know, like it's just a good friend now that yeah, I can talk was, to him. He bounce was back sending and forth. you teasers before the show. <laughs> yeah. He was sending me, he was sending me trail cam pictures of inside the public land. Um, so he's doing all the scouting and stuff for, pretty much for me now so when i go down there i kind of know what to what i'm getting myself into awesome it's kind of a cool thing to have that friendship i i wanted to kind of walk it back and with your situation you did everything so smooth so well you planned this out from the you know when you realized you had a three percent chance right all the way up through you know when you shot it you had the trail cam pictures of you and the officer walking. You had the picture of the deer going by after you shot it. You had all of this documented and did it right, right. as well as all the steps you took afterwards. Is there anything else within there that you wish you did? And what would be your biggest uh, advice towards somebody who may find themselves in their situation looking at a camera this year? Um, honestly, I mean, I, I really researched this a lot. You know, um, I watch, um, like white till cribs every week when it drops on Wednesdays. I mean, there's a lot of YouTube shows I watch and, um, I think his name is Mike Rex. He had shot the county record down in whatever county he's in down there. And he had talked about, you know, notifying the game warn about that too. So it's not like I came up with this idea on my own. Other people shared that information, which didn't help me when I got in this situation. So. If somebody's watching this and they get lucky and they get this big deer on camera this fall, I would do the same thing. I just call out and say, Hey, I'm on a world-class deer. And if you're comfortable sending a picture, you can send a, or show a picture to the wildlife officer. So I'm no. And that clears up a lot of suspicion because, um, whenever a big deer hits the ground, um, people are always asking questions. And what's nice with this deer, like I said, is he was so visible, um, this last year, so many people knew about him. It wasn't like he just popped out of nowhere. So, I mean, that, that really helped me out too. So, I, I, I don't know if I'd done anything different, honestly. I feel like I did. I thought about it so much that I did everything I could possibly think of. So, and I, I wanted to do it, but not give it away also. So, I didn't yeah. want to share too much, but I think I shared just what I should. And, you know, I didn't really, I didn't ever send the photo. I just always showed the photo. So, smart man. So, yeah. nobody had it yep. <laughs> to show it around. No, yeah. no one could go on landmark off of your photo. Right, right. <laughs> yep, for sure. <laughs> I like It's it. kind of crazy. That's nuts. And did he grow a lot between 2019 to 2020? Oh, he grew a ton. I, I, I would guess he was 170s, pushing 180 the year before. So, no I mean, kidding. 60, 70 inches. I mean, just, just a ton. It's amazing what a deer can do in one year when they get mature. It, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, I've seen other stories of people shot big deer that, People have reached out to me and shared their stories, which is pretty cool. And it's just crazy how some of these deer jump so much. And uh, like I said, that guy told me it was a six and a half year old deer. White sent the teeth off to deerh.com and it came back right at six and a half years old. So they were wow. able to confirm that. And that's also something I've just started doing recently too, is sending the teeth. And it's just one of those things that, you know, for 25, 35 bucks for, for me, I, I always guess what they are and then see if I'm right on. And so I've done it the last, uh, three, four seasons. And so far I've been uh, right on the money. So hopefully I can keep it going, but it helps if you have that years of history with it. Right. But uh, the last two seasons were I killed on 
um, or first year properties I hunted, knocking door permission. Um, and I'm getting a 166 clean 10 the year before. And um, that was one I was driving around in August and uh, picking up the binoculars and then started knocking doors and pick up the spot and end up filling like October 12th. And I usually don't kill early season. I filled most of my deer in that November 2nd to the November 10th time frame. Right. So, is that what you normally shoot for? That's like your time off is that November 2nd is, is what you go for? Yeah, usually um, probably the 28th of October, 30th of October to about the 15th of November. <laughs> <I'll be off. laughs> no, no. Everybody needs to go like the 5th and on. <laughs> Halloween is not the time to hunt. They, they're not moving. No. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make that clear now, especially in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. And after you're able to keep a property for years, you kind of learn that, you know, this spot's good early season, but then they disappear. And like um, some spots are good just for the rut because they're cruising those fence rows and they're not there until the rut. So, you know, just it's good to have options and constantly um, bouncing around. And, and that, that's what I, that's what I try to do. But yeah, that, that time frame with my job, I've been there long enough now where I've built my time. But if I see a cold front coming, I'm dropping vacation day. You know, I want to be out there. So. <laughs> No matter, no matter when it is in October, right? Or November. Right. 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 That's sure. crazy. Especially especially being a one-buck state, man, you got to be pretty picky on what you do and, and how you strategically move yourself through the deer season. Right. Absolutely. And that's one thing cool about Ohio is, you know, it'd be cool to have a second buck tag, but I think we – I know I'd shoot a lower-quality deer knowing that, you know, that, that second buck. And um, so I think that really helps out our herd and um, – our trophy population and i think it'd be totally different if there would be a two buck state i think you know, and, and you I, see I, that in oh go ahead no, i was gonna say i just wish ohio would do like a three-day velvet season or something like that i've always wanted to shoot a velvet buck it's like man if they could just do you know and they talk about trying to you know make some money for the division wildlife man they can make that a three-day season your tag is only good for that three-day season and you're gonna generate a lot of money mm-hmm. a lot of people want to do it it's, a lot of people be willing to take that trip oh absolutely you draw in a lot of people from out of state just for three days, and that's a lot of revenue coming into the state of Ohio. So, and if they could ever do that, you know, last week in August or something, make it a three-day season, I'd be all on board for that. I'd be there for the three days. I know that for oh, a fact. No doubt. <laughs> oh, doubt. No doubt. No question. Because you could shoot, you could shoot a once-in-a-lifetime velvet deer there. You know, like I mean, look at Kentucky. I mean, people and they have that market like down pat, right? So, like if. I was looking at doing it this year, but they want like, I don't care where you go, five to five to seven grand, depending on for five day hunt, you know, like they, they know that that's a market that everybody's going to come down there and do. So the outfitters in Ohio could do the same exact thing and it would put a lot of revenue back into the place. Absolutely. And you know, a lot, another thing is, is I'll get these deer in Belvin. Once they shut, they're gone. And like with Ohio, you know, it's so broke up in smaller properties that, I'm not going to be able to hunt that deer again unless I get lucky he comes back through. And that's happened to me many times where I'll get a big, big deer on camera. Then I never see him again once, once he sheds his velvet. So it kind of almost gives like an extra season to me, honestly. Absolutely. Really increase your your chances. And those velvet bucks, man, you get them on a pattern, come on a bean field. And and that'd be, that'd be pretty cool to have a chance, even if it was just three days. I'd be all right with that. <laughs> yeah. I think Tennessee does that. They have a velvet season, but I don't know if any other states are doing that. Uh, just the only ones I know of are Tennessee and Kentucky. Yeah, and then Kentucky you go out west. Up. Yeah. yeah. The western states tend to have uh, velvet mule deer hunts. Oh, yeah. And, uh, North Dakota has a whitetail 
Also, yes, that's right. they have a, a white tail uh, velvet season, but I think that those are the only three that I've heard of. That may yeah. be the only time that's bearable temperatures to go hunt North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know who would ever want to go hunt out there anyways. That really sucks. <laughs> it's, either, it's either negative negative 80 or or 80. 100 and something. Yeah, I'm good with that. No, I'm totally good with that. So, Matt, man, one last question for you, man, before we wrap this thing up, and we ask this to everybody is, uh, what drives you outdoors? I would say it's just, just being out in, in nature, like – even when I was a small kid, you know, my parents took me down to the park and I'd always feed the ducks. And um, I was very fortunate. My parents were real supportive of my, my passion. I actually didn't grow up in a hunting house, um, more of a sports house, but um, I got a passion for the outdoors. So my parents, you know, bought me the stuff I needed to go out hunting. And um, it's just, I've always been drawn to it. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but I've always been drawn and I got a very supportive family uh, that support my passion. And it's really really cool from a young kid till now you know i just the more time i spend outdoors the happier i am it's it's good to kind of decompress out there and um and now if my kids want to go out more and more you know checking cameras with me and stuff like that um hopefully i can pass it on to them and they they start going outdoors and hopefully something that they enjoy down the road and memories that we're making they can enjoy down the road too that's awesome Absolutely. Well, I guess that's not the last question now because you just brought up another point. So you didn't grow up in a hunting home? No, I didn't. No. What 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 drew what drew you to hunting then? Like, what? How did you even get started? Or, um, my my dad when he was a, a boy, he would he trapped muskrats, and I think him and my grandpa my dad a little small game honey, but um, definitely they definitely didn't, didn't hunt or anything like that. But my neighbor was the president of Pheasants Forever, and he had some. Uh, CRP ground and had a kennel with a bunch of Brittany Spaniels. And so that was my first job as a kid. I walked, I'd ride my bike down there and I walk his puppies around, do heel commands and, you know, and, um, seeing how the dogs worked. And, um, um, he took my dad and I out on my first pheasant hunt. I think I shot him when I was 12 and, you know, I was really hooked. Like I thought it was really cool. And, um, we ended up getting a, the pheasant, uh, mounted and I still have it down in the basement and it still looks really good. In fact, it's the same taxidermist has my, my rack right now. You know, she's, she's, 72, she's 72 years old, still doing it. Um, she does a great job. And um, so from there, I think I, my dad got me a crossbow for Christmas one year when I was like 14. And um, I still remember riding my moped, holding the crossbow off my side and going down the road. And when the moped didn't have a front light on it, so I'd be home before dark. So I'd just sit on some random fence up at the neighbors who let, it, let me hunt. And I didn't shoot anything for quite a while. Um, I think I shot my first first deer at, at 16 or probably at 15. I shot a shot a little fawn doe, and then the two and the following year I shot a little bass rack 10 point with my crossbow. But it was a big learning curve for me. Like uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I never checked the wind. Not one time back then did I once look at the wind. Um, I I just sat on a random fence row. I didn't look for scrapes or rubs. I didn't really even know anything about that. And this um, in 2008. I had, fin- I had uh, finished college. I got hired at the sheriff's office, so things slowed down a lot for me, and I had more free time then. And uh, I shot, I don't shoot like a 177 with a shotgun that year, and that was only my second buck ever. And I was like, wow, I, I was hooked on big deer, and that's kind of where I started going to the, the trophy end of deer hunting. Uh, that 2008 year is the first year I um, used a compound, and I killed a doe with it. And then the following year, um, 2009, I was like, I, I want to shoot a, another big deer. And I started getting fruition four spots, doing more um, 
watch more hunting videos. Um, just learning more, um, just basic deer movement and stuff. And I passed up deer. I had were bigger than anything I'd shot before. And I got lucky and, um, shot this big drop time deer. You can see behind me here. And he actually went 177 inches also. So I went awesome. to film. And, uh, at that point I was, I was hooked on big deer. Um, and then wow. this one, this one over here, he ended up going 162 and I shot him the following year. So I went boom, 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 three years of shooting big deer. And I had never shot anything even. I like, I know a lot of guys in their bowling career, like, they go through that spur of shooting two and a half year old deer and stuff like that. And I, I just kind of went from shooting does every year to shooting big deer. And I just kind of <laughs> stayed there now. So, but after that, I, I, went, I went through set five long seasons of you now not killing till um, either late season. After shooting um, those ones, I ended up eating tags for a couple seasons. I'm holding out. And that's just one thing I kind of learned more research I did is like, you kind of got to be willing to eat a tag um, if you want to be hunting bigger deer and um so i went two seasons about killing and i went three seasons and killed late season like after after gun season they're pretty close to it and um so that's it i've been on a roll and i just know at some point the, the streak will end and you know if it happens now I, i'm totally okay with it you know <laughs> totally <Bring> it up. <laughs> <laughs> everything's icing on the cake at this point and i just for, for me personally just my kids and um, my wife going out and, you know, I've been fortunate. She supported it. She actually shot her first deer when she was pregnant with my oldest daughter. You know, so we we're sitting on the ground together and a little six point came out and she made a good shot on it. And so, and then she's further shooting her biggest deer. So she's killed uh, four bucks now. So she, she's starting to get a few good ones underneath her belt. So, but it must be, yeah. tough, on, it must be tough on the wallet having all them, you know, with the tax term. I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing. Uh, oh yeah. Um, I pick up some, I pick up some overtime strictly for the deer hunting uh, budget because yeah. uh, she, she's a little, she's a little more uh, reluctant. If I just, you know, I need, I need to buy this camera or buy this tree stand. I'm like, Hey, there's an overtime shift. I work this. You care if I can buy this? She's like, Oh yeah, no problem. So. <laughs> well, no, she's going to get to use it also. Right. Right. So, and uh, so she's gone out a few times on her own, but she just, I think she does more to spend time with me and, for the most part, she doesn't go out unless I'm with her for the most part. And so it's just a good time for us. And it's just cool that she's willing to share this passion with me. And, and now like, the kids are getting that way too. So that's going to be pretty cool moving forward. So do you have any future goals now that you've shot this big buck? Um, for, for me, even before shooting this one, like if a mature 140 comes by, I mean, some people ask, you know, are you going to hold out for uh, a monster? And it's like, I got thinking of all these years, I think this deer and one other deer is the only deer I've ever had on camera that's been over 180. It's just, it's just, does we don't have that big a deer around here. It's just, I've been fortunate enough to shoot a couple of the, the higher end deer around here. And um, if I get a big one on camera, now having these under my belt, I'm probably more likely just to go on in and, and wait for them. If I get a mature, you know, 140s on camera, I'm definitely going to go get a shot at him. So it just kind of depends. And, if my kids are with me and they're, you know, wanting me to shoot something, it's going to be hard for me not to shoot it. So just, just right. kind of things. So and I, I don't really set like a, I don't have like a hard, you know, it's got to be a five and a five and a half year old. It's got to be a one forty. I don't have anything like that. Um, if you see this one over here, my right shoulder, he's got this big dagger off to one side. I had, I had pictures of that deer the year before and he looked identical the following year. He didn't change at all. But by the end of that first year, his eyes were all uh, um, pussed up. He had broken everything off. He, he was a fighter. I was like, man, I think this guy's running deer off this property. And if I get a chance, I'm going to go in there and uh, kill him. And uh, so where I was hunting, hunting him, 
I had a camera that was a little deep in the woods and I'm, I'm probably overly cautious. Um, I don't go into the heart of the property often. I hunt a lot of fringes and um, watch with binoculars and I had this camera is in inside the um, property where their little pinch point was. And I had it there since uh, the beginning before the season started. And it's like October 25th and there's a cold front coming. I'm like, I'm going to go hunt that cold front and I'm going to check that camera. Well, I went on the hunt on that cold front and he had come by along with every other buck in the woods, it seemed like. And, you know, I passed up a couple of youngs right before I shot him. And I was like, I'm, I'm definitely taking him. There's no way I'm going to let him go. So, you know, and to me, you get a little history with the deer too. You know, it's just, it feels a little different. And, you know, like that big one I shot this year, you know, I, I wish I could say I watched it for four years and, you know, um, passed him up so you get that big. But that's not the case. I got lucky and picked a spot and just happened to have a once in a lifetime deer on it and got really lucky. So. That's amazing. That's awesome. So cool, man. Yeah. Congratulations well, on him, man. I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He's I mean, stud. just do you, do you even keep hunting after a deer like that? It's like, do, do you just hang up the hat and say, that's it? No, no. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm constantly watching new stuff and I'm constantly, you know, adding to the arsenal for hunting supplies. I took a hit losing those seven cameras this year because, like I said, I think I run 10 to 12. And I think only 10 10 are working. So I was down like three cameras. So um, I think it was a stock and field went out of business up there and they had their cameras marked half off. So um, my 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 dad and Paul both were up there. They both bought me a, a couple of cameras and I went and bought a few more. So now I'm back back even. So it kind of lessened the sting a little bit getting some cameras on sale up there. So, you know, just I, I love running cameras and I've ran cameras before on properties I can't even hunt just because I, I enjoy get pictures of the deer and um this this big wild one behind me here i i ran a camera on that property for two years before i was able to hunt it um the lady said she don't any hunting she had no hunting signs on the driveway and i just said hey, you know uh, i just i enjoy deer hunting i just you might if i just put a camera up and uh see what's on your property and she had an apple tree and you know she didn't go outside much and i was getting pictures of these deer eating apples in her front yard and uh so I ended up asking her for, for permission and she ended up giving permission. You know, now I built that bond with her and she felt she could trust me. And so sometimes it takes years to get into a good spot. And, uh, um, the funny story with that deer is, you know, I hunted that deer really hard the year before he was about a one. I found his, his right shed and it was right at 60 inches and he's about 20 inches wide. And that was a smaller side. So he's probably just in the low one forties and I was hunting him hard and he was very visible. But, uh, this lady also let her neighbors ride four-wheelers on the property. And anytime they saw my truck, they'd be out riding four-wheelers because they were anti-deer hunters. And um, so you're kind of stuck in a hard, hard place because you're not leasing uh, free permission. So you make a stink about it, you're going to losing your spot. So um, he went by the one day and, you know, I actually, I always wear my safety harness, but, you know, he went by and I was so upset. I took my harness off and I missed my first step. I fell 16 and a half feet. And um, luckily, all I did was get a sprain, but um, now I'm always connected to the tree. And um, if someone goes by and ruins my hunt, I'm not going to lose my cool a little bit like I did there. And, um, but I am losing that deer uh, mid-October. He disappeared. And uh, I went out uh, shed hunting at property. I ended up picking up his, uh, I think, right side. And I'm like, man, this deer's still alive. But I never got a picture of him. He avoided the cameras on the property, but he left his antler there, so I knew he's there. And he went from 140 to 174. I mean, he, he blew up too. And so he's 23 inches wide. And so it ended up being a blessing that, you know, he messed me up and I lost that deer. And so 
it, it worked out. And I ended up shooting a pretty decent deer uh, after gun season that year. He's um, an older deer. He's a six by six. He went 137. Just an older deer. But um, that was actually the first buck I killed out of ground blind. So every year I'm kind of trying to add something new, uh, ground blind tree stands. And this last year I, I bought a saddle. And um, I don't do a ton of mobile hunting. I do a lot of uh, preset stands. Usually I hang my stands by July or in July or from the year before. And but what I like about it is not going to hang one stand. If my wife or kids want to go deer hunting, I can just pop up behind them and, and film. So it saves you from buying, you know, big double sets all over the place. So oh yeah, that's kind of cool. That's a huge thing. Like I, I hunted with a couple different, um, different people, and I went and actually hunted with an outfitter, and we were hunting, we were hunting in pairs. So we would climb up their ladder, and I would just set my platform off the back of it, and it would be like a guide stand, and we would just hunt together. It was actually, it actually worked out really well. And actually, funny thing is, I ended up getting more shots or opportunities by being in the back of the stand than it was actually if I was in the stand. It was actually kind of cool that way. Oh, I believe that. I'm, most of my sets are set that way to where I'm on the back of the back of the tree. And it's not the most comfortable thing. You're standing and looking all the time. you got to lean over. But uh, um, I haven't shot one from the saddle yet, but it feels like it's going to be more comfortable than trying to lean out and around like I've been doing. It is. <laughs> it is. It's so <laughs> – it's it, you have so much more mobility by being in a saddle and it, you just and the safety factor of it you're constantly locked in the tree nothing can really go wrong you know unless a, i mean a linesman breaks but i highly doubt that's gonna yeah, happen, you gotta you try know? hard for that yeah i mean i've slipped and you just you just hang there you know what i'm saying you hit your knees or whatever you know i mean it's not that big of a deal that's the nice thing about the saddle honestly you need to take a nap you just lay back <laughs> that's it <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if I've ever actually taken a nap in this tree, but uh, in the ground blind, I've caught myself a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a saddle, you will. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It'll oh, happen. Yeah. When, you get, when you get comfortable, especially if you have a back brace, it's like being a lazy boy, man. You just sit back. That's it. It's <laughs> over. I do that all the time. If I get in there real early, if I got to get into a spot like super early, just sleep for a half hour, 45 minutes, wake up, and then just go. I just, the problem is, I have the fear of not waking up in time. You know, <laughs> then it's light out, and you're like, oh, crap. Yep. You know, exactly. I thought to say that. That'd be my worry, too, is uh, I either sleep for too long or I start snoring to scare everything off. <laughs> right. What the heck kind of a woodpecker is that? <laughs> so true. So true. All right, Matt. Well, before we let you uh, slip away, let everybody know if you want how they can get a hold of you, find you, social media, anything like that. Uh, I have a Instagram. It's uh, MP Brunswick. You can just find me on there. Or if uh, you guys follow the the Bow Hunting League page, they tag me in a lot of stuff, and um, you can find me on there too. Nice. Well, everybody know how to find him. So don't irritate him. Don't go blow him up about some dumb shit. But if you want to see some of this stuff, check it out. Give him a thumbs up and congratulate the dude you know let's keep the negativity out because there's no need for it and i do want to say if the uh sorry sobs multiple i'm assuming that did cut up your stuff and break your cameras are listening just remember karma's a bitch it's going to come back around on you and lord forbid someone catches you doing it game on now that i've finished that rant we want to thank you for joining us we know you've got a lot going on you're a busy man and uh, for sharing your, your insight and information, this is something that I hope everybody listening has to employ because they all see a world-class deer this year on their cameras. I know 
I sure hope that's my case and Trev's case. And uh, for everyone listening, take this to heart. Put yourself in a good position and a position to come out ahead should you find yourself in these questionable circumstances. You know, do everything you can to help yourself proactively. I, I can't advise that enough. Uh, it just makes things easier, as you've heard. Uh, other than that, I don't have a whole lot other than to say other than congratulations. That's a heck of a buck, a heck of a year. Congrats, man. I appreciate it. And I'm, trust me, I'm one of those guys that listen to these kind of podcasts all the time. It's like, well, that's never happened to me up here in Northwest Ohio. That's Southern Ohio where those big deer get shot. And um, <laughs> it happened. You know, I'm just – anybody can get lucky. You know, just hopefully, hopefully it happens to them too. Well, I just very fortunate, right place, right time. And we'll, we'll all uh, cross our fingers and not only ask for a little bit of luck, but hopefully there's some skill that goes in behind it for everybody. And for everyone listening, we want to thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. Mm-hmm.